Christ our Redeemer died on the cross, died for the sinner, paid all his due. Sprinkle your soul with the blood of the Lamb, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you. Chiefest of sinners, Jesus will save all he has promised that he will do. Wash in the fountain, open for sin, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, I will pass, I will pass over you on the third Judgment is coming, all will be there, each one receiving justly his due. Hide in the savings, in cleansing blood, and I will pass, will pass over you. When I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I see the blood, Compassion, oh great compassion, oh boundless love, oh loving kindness, faithful and true. Find peace and shelter under the blood, and I will pass, will pass over you when I see the blood, when I see the blood, when I I figured tonight we'd just do songs about the blood, get our, get our hearts ready for the preaching tonight. Let's turn to uh, 160, 160. Are you washed in the blood? Have you been to Jesus for a cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white, pure and white in the blood of the Lamb? Will your souls be ready for 
the mansions white and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Amen. And let's do one more before the prayer. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. One sixty-four. I'm sorry. I'm just reading my notes here, and I'm one sixty-four. They're close together here. What can wash away my sin? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my part in this I see, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not my cleansing this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. On the third, nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus, oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my hope and this is all my hope and peace, nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No. But the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for allowing us to assemble together in your name. We thank you for your blessings upon our lives. We thank you for this time of year when even many of the people who uh, are not truly trusting in you as their Savior, 
will stop and recognize the work that you have finished on the cross so many years ago. Lord, we just ask that you would bless this time tonight to be honored and glorified in it. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated and take just a moment here. Um, got an update. Uh, Julie Dice is actually supposed to come home from the hospital today, but uh, please keep her in prayer if you would. Uh, she's had more problems with the blood clots uh, as she did early on in the pregnancy, so uh, keep her uh, in prayer if you would, and um, uh, keep Ann in prayer if you would. Struggling with uh, uh, a lot of different things. The arthritis has really stepped up and just a lot of pain and, and, and uh, suffering there. So if you'd uh, keep her uh, in prayer. And also, uh, 7 o'clock tomorrow morning, the ceiling guys are showing up. And uh, they're going to try to get as much work as they can possibly get done. So. Uh, in the basement actually we're putting up the new ceiling and so pray that uh, uh, we can uh, get as much work as possible done down there and uh, uh, talk to the uh, petition guys this week and it looks like sometime uh, toward the middle or the end of May uh, they ought to be putting the movable walls up downstairs for us and uh, the carpet's been ordered. The only two things left is the ceiling, grid, tiles, and the lights. And so uh, hopefully we'll be getting those things early this coming week. And uh, it'll be uh, changing a lot. So uh, the anniversary Sunday for uh, Brother Saravia's church is the 29th of April. And we would really like to get at least part of the ceiling up so that uh, it would begin to look like a room rather than a construction site for their, uh, uh, at least for their anniversary. So if you would uh, just keep those things in prayer and don't forget about visitation, then prayer meeting tomorrow afternoon, 4 o'clock, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing them. And, and by the way, guys, we need to set a time for our monthly fellowship, so uh, if we could... Uh, Maybe do that tomorrow or Saturday afternoon for prayer meeting. We'll kind of get that thing set up. And uh, so keep those things in prayer. It is Easter Sunday. Invite some friends. Amen. Uh, one of the, uh, a lot of people were raised the only two Sundays that show up for church is Christmas and Easter. So see if you can find somebody willing to be drug along with you to church on Sunday. Amen. And we'll be uh, praying that, that the Lord will do his work hearts and lives. All right, Brother Ted, come and lead us in our final song before we get into the All right, sir, uh, stand, turn to your hymnals in uh, page 170. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Amen. Saved by the blood of the crucified one, now ransomed from sin and a new Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved. My sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. 
white one on the third. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. The Father he spake and his will it was done. Great price of my pardon, his own precious son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved, my sins are all pardoned, my guilt is all gone. Glory, I'm saved, glory, I'm saved, I'm saved by the blood of the crucified one. On that last, let's belt it out. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. All hail to the Father, all hail to the Son, all hail to the Spirit, the great three in one. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Saved, saved, my sins are all of the outline for tonight. I'm not quite sure where all the spare ones ended up, but uh, if we need to, we'll run some additional ones off and get them. If anybody needs a copy, just raise your hand here. Okay, looks like we've got quite a few. And uh, the master is on the copy machine, Brother Ted. I think we're going to have to run a few for in the back there. And uh, take your Bibles, if you would, as we... Uh, we'll uh, grow accustomed uh, in the next uh, preceding months uh, to turn to the book of Hebrews. Uh, this is actually our, uh, it says third, but I think this is actually the fourth time uh, we've been in the book of Hebrews here. And uh, we're still working on verse 3 of chapter 1. But uh, we're, I think we're going to break through, and when we do, we're, we're into uh, what we call an introductory portion here, and the rest of the chapter is kind of going to just fall into place, and we won't be spending quite as much time with every phrase and every word, but uh, it just depends, and we'll be moving back and forth. And just to refresh ourselves, let's start in verse 1. It says, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Now it begins to describe the Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now those are the first four verses there, and, and we've been spending some time because we want to 
get a hold of this and remember the, the book of Hebrews. If you're going to understand your Bible, if you, if you really want to uh, have more than just a very basic comprehension of what goes on in this book called the Bible, you've got to spend time in the book of Hebrews. Uh, it is the book that ties everything together. That's why we call this series the book of understanding because it just, boy, I'll tell you, as I've been preparing and, and getting things ready for tonight, I, I was just, I had to go, whoa, slow down. I could go to so many different scriptures. It just ties things together. And, and, and we started in verse 2. It says, whom he hath appointed the heir of all things. And we, we talked about how that Jesus is the one who's in charge. They're, they're making a lot of news, if you've heard here of late, how that uh, the religion of Islam is waiting for the great prophet, which is Jesus, to come back and to set up his kingdom on earth and give that kingdom to Islam. Now, it's, it's so interesting how that uh, old Mohammed could plagiarize so much from the scripture and yet get it so wrong. Uh, it's kind of like the story of Abraham and Isaac. And uh, we'll be coming uh, up to that in the next few weeks in our Sunday school time. Uh, the Quran says it's Abraham and Ishmael for some strange reason. Uh, boy, that is a convenient slip of the tongue now, isn't it, if you were an Arab? Uh, because the Bible says, In Isaac shall thy seed be called, not Ishmael. But if you're a physical descendant of Ishmael, you just might have a vested interest in switching out some names there so it has a little more application to you. And uh, they do the same thing. The, the Bible tells us that the great prophet is coming, and he is going to set up his kingdom here on earth. But the name the Bible gives him is the beast. It's Antichrist. He is the next prophet that all the world will worship. And as you're looking around, the world is getting ready. How many times have you heard somebody say, I'm tired of all these religious fanatics. We need to agree. We need to have unity in the body of Christ. Well, let me tell you something. First of all, if you're going to be a part of the body of Christ, you've got to be saved. Amen? And if you're going to be a part of the body of Christ that's functioning right here today on earth. Now, yes, we do understand there is a body of Christ made up of all believers. The only problem is some of us are still here. Amen? And we don't know when Jesus is coming back. Some of them may not have even been born yet. And so that body is not functioning, amen? It can't. All of its members are not together in the same place. So what Christ has given us is what we call the local church, amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul says in, in verse 12 and 13, he says, We are all baptized by one spirit into one body. But everybody wants to skip verse 27. Because Paul then shifts the entire context of the passage and says, Now ye are the Corinthian church, the body of Christ, and members in particular. 
And so if you want to be involved in this thing called the body of Christ, you need to get in church, amen? And it's got to be the right kind. Because, you know, when... Now, I hope no one's ever had this happen to them. But, uh, you know, you've, I'm sure you've all woke up in the morning and it just felt like your body was not going to obey. You ever had that problem? But you finally got up enough gumption and said, you're going to get out of bed whether you like it or not. And that old body obeyed and rolled out of bed and did what you told it to do, whether it wanted to or not. Now, didn't it? Now, there are some people that there's a total disconnect. Uh, we call that sickness. In fact, for years, our church prayed for a lady named Jean Strong who had Lou Gehrig's disease. Her body would not listen to the brain. It was totally disconnected. She was on a respirator for 14 years. Her only means of communication were blinking her eyelids. Tell you, Jesus doesn't have the foreign body. Amen. Read the book of Revelation. He says, when you disobey, I'm just going to take your candlestick out. You're not going to be my church no more. Because you're not going to do what I tell you. Because how can you be Christ's church and not be obedient to the things of the living church? Boy, that's a scary thought, isn't it? And you know, if there's one thing we need to do is open door Bible Baptist Church, that is to be very careful. You know what? We can't do everything, but there are things we can do each day. There are decisions that we can make to make sure our lives are where God wants them to be. And so we, we talk about Jesus. God has appointed Jesus the heir of all things. And we have a lot of people talking about the body of Christ today. And when they refer to that, they're referring to a vast bulk of people who are Christian in name only. As in not part of Muslim or not part of, not part of Islam, I should say, or not part of Buddhism or not Hindu. Uh, they're Christian. But the Bible definition of that word is one who has a living relationship with the living Lord. It's called being born again. And guess what? Got to be careful. You don't have to do all kinds of weird things to prove it. Amen? You believe the words of this book called the Bible. And Jesus said, For whosoever shall what? Call upon the name of the Lord. Might be saved, right? Not if you got the right Bible. It says, shall be saved. Amen. Aren't you glad it says that? You don't have to worry about it. And so we are dealing with Jesus Christ, the greatest revelation of God to mankind, and He is the heir of all things. All judgment is given to the Son. He's the one that's going to do the judging. In fact, he's the one that's going to show up at the battle of Armageddon and take care of the beast and the false prophet and the armies of the east and the armies of this world. And he's going to set up his kingdom. And you know what the best part of it is? No church has to set it up for Jesus to come take it over. Amen. He's going to do it all by himself. See, I love the Lord Jesus Christ because he is God. And God does not need our help. If he did, 
what kind of God would he be? He'd be the made-up God like the Wizard of Oz and so many other stories that are out there who just play upon what you already are and the wickedness in your own heart. God doesn't do it that way, amen? He does it His way. And it says, by whom also He made the worlds. Jesus is the Creator God. And if we get very far tonight, we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about that. And who being the brightness of His glory. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus, amen? You want to know. You want to see the glory of God. Look at the life of Jesus Christ. Easter Sunday. The one Sunday that even unsaved people stop and think about Jesus for a little bit. And I'm, I'm, by God's grace, I want to preach about the resurrection Sunday morning. Pray with me about that. But what we're looking at right here is he is the brightness of the glory of God. And it says, and the express image of his person. Now, let's take our Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 1. And again, we, we started this theme. We're just running through here and what we're doing is we're allowing the Bible to be its own commentary. Uh, most people like to have huge libraries and they like to look at books and read what so-and-so and Dr. So-and-so and the other Dr. So-and-so said. And, and uh, we don't want to do that tonight because we don't want to trust in the words of men. We want to trust in the words of God. And right here, Colossians chapter 1, we're going to start reading in verse 13. And it's talking about Jesus here. It says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now pay close attention to verse 15. Here's where the connection is. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Now, right, we just got done reading that He is the express image of His person. Jesus is the express image of God the Father. And in verse 15, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God? If you want to see God, you need to look at Jesus. And so we look here and it says, The firstborn... Of every creature. Now I'm glad that word firstborn is in Colossians. Because that means there's the opportunity for others to follow. Amen. That's where you and I come in. He is the firstborn. He is the second Adam. He is the one who paid the price for our sins. And the whole theme of the Bible, if you want to boil it down to one sentence, it is God seeking man. Man doesn't always accept God. That's why I'm not a Protestant. 
Because God gave us a choice. You say, who in their right mind would reject God? Well, nobody that I know of, but not everybody is in their right mind last time I checked. Right? I mean, we, don't, we live in New York. Do we need to expound upon people not being in their right mind? I mean, the city is full of examples. Amen? Uh, let's move on. And it says here, verse 16, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things Consist. The next phrase in the book of Hebrews is upholding all things by the word of his power. You'll see this picture repeated several times in scripture, uh, especially in the book of Revelation, as Jesus in chapter 19 comes back at the battle of Armageddon. He smites the earth with the sword that goes out of his mouth. Did you ever think about that picture that is being painted there to help you and I understand? It is right here. Book of Hebrews is putting that all together for us. It is the word of his power. How did God create things? He spoke them into existence. You know, we can do an awful lot of interesting things with atoms. And uh, there's some really foolish people in Iran that are trying to do some very deadly thing with atoms. I mean, we can make big bombs. We can do all kinds of things. But have you ever wondered? Now, I've been told this, that if you could release the atomic energy that is in this sheet of paper, you would level most of Astoria. But you know what? Praise God, this is a very stable substance. You, it, it, is all, it is impossible for you and I to release the energy that holds the atoms together that make up this sheet of paper. They say if you took the space that is between the particles in one of our aircraft carriers. You ever heard them described? Just a little over uh, one quarter acre of American sovereign territory. I love that description of an aircraft carrier. And it says, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, protecting, uh, protecting the peace and pursuing all those who threaten it. Uh, you know, that's basically what an aircraft carrier does. Now imagine how big that thing is. And scientists, they're supposed to know all this stuff. They said if you could take all of the space from between the particles and the atoms that put that aircraft together, aircraft carrier together, you could hold it in the palm of your hand uh, if you were capable of lifting 100,000 tons with the palm of your hand. Now, does that make any sense to you? Everything that here, everything that's here, 
is more empty space than it is anything else. We don't know how it got all put together. We don't know how it stays together. Now, we can play with it a lot. Now, I don't know who invented it, but I am sure glad they figured out how to put foam rubber together so that we could make the pads for the pews. Uh, Friday, we went to a fellowship meeting in an old church in Connecticut, and, uh, boy, I forgot how hard oak pews can be. But after sitting there listening to three preachers in the morning and then uh, two more in the afternoon and another one at night, man, I was ready to get in Brother Shaw's car in that nice, comfortable seat and come home. And, uh, I mean, we do a lot of neat stuff with, with matter, but we cannot create it. We can't explain why it stays together. Now, the Bible tells us what's going to happen, and we'll get get to that in a few minutes. But it says, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, what? The church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him, to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated in enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made minister. By the way, put this in the context. If you can move away from it, you were never grounded and settled in it in the first place. If you can lose it, you never had it. The idea is that Christ paid the price for sins once forever. All God's people say? Can't we say amen to that? And He is the express image of God. If you want to know about God, you've got to study the Son. Turn with me to John chapter 14. I love this passage just hours before Jesus was going to be arrested and go through all that he went through to finish the work that his father had sent him. He is on his way at this point to the Garden of Gethsemane. He had just told Peter at the end of chapter 13 that before the cock crows thrice, you're going to deny me twice. I mean, twice, you're going to deny me thrice. We'll get the numbers right there. And he is saying, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. Some of the most comforting words in all the Scripture. And old Philip has to pipe up. Verse 8. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Said Jesus, is there any way we can see the Father 
Now, Philip was a Jew. He understood the history. Remember the first time Moses went up to Mount Sinai? He took the 70 elders with him. And they saw the Father sitting on the throne as he gave those Ten Commandments to the children of Israel. They had a glimpse, and Philip said, now that happened in the Old Testament when they got the law. Jesus, since we're your apostles, do you think you can do the same thing for us? Now look what he, verse 9. Jesus saith unto him, have I. Now who was Philip saying? Philip says, I want to see the Father. Jesus said, have I been so long a time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus said, how in the world? Where, he, he's basically, if, if it were today, he'd say, Philip, what planet are you on? He said, how long have I been with you? Don't you know who I am, Philip? He says, I am the Father. Because there's only one God, amen? You say, how do you explain that, preacher? I don't. I can't. Verse 10 says, Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. He says, listen, Philip, you've got to understand something. If you do not accept me as God, you are not saved. And because salvation is in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And we're going to have this thing repeated. When we come down a few verses, That it is going to be God addressing the Son and saying, Thy throne, O God. Now, how could that be? except for the fact that there are two persons, one God. The only thing that has helped my feeble little mind grab a hold of this thing is we know other persons, amen? By the way, it's not personalities. We spent last week talking about schizophrenic society. Uh, We're not going back there, all right? Uh, God does not have multiple personalities. We, we look through here and all through the room and, and we could arrange us in, in many different ways. We could arrange us in age. We could arrange us in size. We could arrange us in weight. We could arrange us in, in uh, uh, nationalities. We could arrange ourselves in many different ways. But one thing that would be very evident very quickly is every person here tonight is an individual. Amen? God's a little bigger than we are. He's chosen to explain himself to us in three complete persons. Most of us have trouble making up one, amen? Isn't that true? Wow, somber crowd tonight. But, uh, I mean, most of us have trouble with the person we're trying to be. 
But God fills three persons completely, and yet all we're doing is scraping the surface of finding out who he is. God's got, in order to show us how big he is, he fills three complete persons, yet just one God. He's big. Amen? And so, he is the express image of his person. He is upholding all things by the word of his power. It says, by him in Colossians, all things consist. We can't explain why an atom stays together. I can. Jesus said so. Amen. See, I'm smarter than all the scientists are. And that's not even that deep of a thought, now is it? And you don't have to go to all these extremes to try to explain everything if you'll just let God take care of it. And yet, some of these same people say, well, you know, God is really in everything and He's everywhere. And, you know, everything is really in God kind of thing. And they... They, they try to explain God as being in and through everything. And, and the Bible says, no, it's the other way around. Everything is in and through God. Amen. He is the big one. He is the source. Have you ever thought about where life comes from? Where does it come from? God. It's the only place you can get life is from God. We cannot take anything dead and make it alive. I don't care what uh, Miss Shelley said in her book on Frankenstein. Uh, once it's dead, it's dead. And it stays dead. And, uh, we, uh, you know, I don't want to get into discussions of near-death experience, but right there you've just had the explanation of the whole thing. It's near-death because once you get there, you never, ever come back. Uh, you know, uh, people said, oh, man, I was clinically dead. I, I was dead for six minutes. No, you were very close to death for six minutes. In fact, you were so you could be so close that we couldn't even tell that you were alive. But if you're here today, you never died. Because once you're dead, let me tell you something. You're, you're dead. Uh, you're not coming back. And uh, I don't care what people say, you know. You, you know, I tried to talk with a fellow one time. He told me he had 10,000 lives. And... Uh, and I said, well, have you reached perfection yet? He says, of course not. I said, don't you think after 10,000 tries, maybe you ought to give up and just trust Jesus Christ, let him do it for you, amen? But he's still trying. That's the sad part about it. It's because when you reject the person of Jesus Christ, you will believe anything because you have nothing to anchor your soul with. You have nothing to hold on to. Uh, you, in essence, become God and you're able to 
Make up your own reality. I mean, we have so many people live in the world of virtual reality, don't they? There's only one thing about the... When, when I was a kid, you know what we called it? Pretend. Now, that doesn't sell video games. You buy this video game and you can pretend that you are captain whatever of the starship whatever, saving the universe from whoever who did whatever. Uh, you, if you want to live there, be my guest. A lot of people do. I mean, you ever wonder why they have karaoke night at the bars? It's because after two or three drinks, you can't tell whether you're singing or the tape's playing, right? It's another world of pretend. You think you're that person. And that's one of the reasons why we don't have canned music. I've been in one too many services where somebody was playing some quote-unquote Christian rock star, and they are up there thinking that they were that Christian rock star. And I'll tell you, that stuff makes God sick. He doesn't want us exalting ourselves or pretending to be somebody else. He made you just the way you are. Who said God doesn't have a sense of humor? Amen. I mean, He does. He made us just the way we are and He wants to use us to bring glory to His name. Now, that's the most wonderful news of the day. Amen? That's the only thing encouraging I can tell you is God knows everything about you. He made you and He wants to use you to bring glory to His name. Now, if that doesn't get you excited, nothing will. Nothing can. Because the greatest thing a human being can attain to is bringing glory to the God that created him. That is the greatest achievement. That is the greatest height that we as human beings can reach to. That's why the Bible says that he upholds all things by the word of his power. And let's go back to the book of Hebrews. We're going to read through this thing. Just uh, pick up the next phrase or so here. And uh, I'm hoping that we can at least finish verse 3. It says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and up upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, you look what it says there, when he had by himself. Now, that by himself has a double meaning to it. Number one, he did it by himself. You can't help him save you. You cannot help God take away your sins. And yet, the cardinal doctrine of every religion except the Bible... I don't care if it is Islam. I don't care if it's Protestantism and all of its many and varied branch. I don't care if it's uh, the holiness movement. I don't care if it's uh, uh, Catholicism or Orthodoxy or Buddhism or Hinduism. You take every religion in the world and they give you a formula or a list of things to do 
wherewith you may make yourself acceptable unto God. And depending on the religion, you can even become God in certain religions. But it's always little g, little o, little d. It says, by himself. That's the first meaning. The second meaning is that he is the sacrifice. It was not only by himself, because no one else could stand with him as he bore our sins before God the Father, because he was the only one worthy. Revelation 4 and 5. That's why he's worthy to take the book out of the right hand of him that sits upon the throne. What is that book? That book is the judgment, the wrath of Almighty God treasured up from all the ages that's going to be poured out upon this earth. Why can Jesus take that? Why is he worthy? Because he paid for it. He purged, what's it say here? Who by himself, when he had by himself purged our sins. Jesus took God's wrath for every sin that was ever sinned. Here's the difference. Either you accept it or you reject it. If you accept what Jesus has done, you are made one with Jesus. Joint heirs with the Father. We sang that song tonight, and that comes directly from the Scriptures. He is the firstborn among many brethren. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. Now, if I were Jesus, I would be. Amen? But He's not because He loves us, and He paid for our sins, and He's made us righteous through His sacrifice on the cross. And when God looks at us, He doesn't see what we see. He sees what He is going to make us. Ruth Ann? Mm -mm. Sorry about that, folks. Let's keep moving. It says, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, let's turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we're just going to read a few verses here and then we'll start in verse 21 of chapter 2. It says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us... Well, here's a horrible word. An example. You see, Christ purging us from our sins was not some exercise in a theological matter. You know, it's one of the problems we have with Bible college is we have to be so careful because we can sit there and... Uh, uh, discuss our theological principles to the point to where they lose their practical daily life. 
This book is not a theological textbook to be argued about by only those who have such superior minds and deep grasp of all of these great theological exponents. It says here, For even hereunto were ye called. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he reviled, reviled not again, and when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself unto him, to him that judges righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And this is going to overlap Sunday morning sermon just a little bit, but why do we glorify Christ so much? It's because He paid for our sins. He said, John chapter 17, Glorify me with the glory which I had before the world began, where was he headed? To be spit upon by the chief priests? To be beaten by the Romans? To have the title, King of the Jews, written over his head? To be nailed to a cross? To die for you and I? And then to prove once and for all that he is greater than all of those things by coming back from the dead. I heard a poll, and I'm probably going to get the numbers wrong, but uh, I think it was somewhere around uh, 15, 16% of people who identify themselves as Catholic Christians believe in a literal resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and a literal parting of the Red Sea. Uh, evangelical Christians, I think it was somewhere around 60-something percent. Isn't that scary? And then the commentator added this. It says, well, it doesn't really say here about the Jews, but it says, uh, but the commentator said, but I... Uh, I, I would think that most Jews would agree that these were just um, uh, allegories. That's terrifying. You know, all we know about what Jesus said is what's written down right here. Either you trust it or you don't. Those same words that spoke the worlds into being are recorded right here in these pages. I believe this book because that's how you, that's the only way you approach to a holy God. And it tells me that when He had by Himself purged our sins, He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. That's why 
we're going to sing in heaven. Thou art worthy. We're going to sing those verses. And I'll tell you, it's not going to be like any choir here on earth. And we're not going to need somebody tapping a drum to keep us in singing. We're going to sing through the power of the Holy Spirit a song that's never been sung. And it is going to be so wonderful. It is going to fill the universe. And it's going to give glory to God. And to Him that sits upon the throne. He came to teach us, to show us, to live in front of us, God, because that's who he is. He said, but I'm giving you an example, because I want you to let me live through you and show this world who I am. That's incredible. But that's what it's talking about here. He purged our sins. Why? So that we could follow in His footsteps. As He took the message of righteousness to the world, He wants us to take that message the world in which we live. It's not what would Jesus do. It's what does Jesus want me to do? How does he want me to live today? And tomorrow. Amen? Even Saturday. Well, Sunday's the Lord's Day, so that ought to be easy, right? But how about Monday? I mean, today is Holy Thursday. Right? But if you're living God's way, every day is holy. It is separate to the Lord. Easter is every Sunday. It's every day. Because we are to celebrate His resurrection by living through this world of death which we find ourselves in. All God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come before you this night, and Lord, we ask that the words that we have examined would not just be words on the page, but they would be words that would be lived in our lives. We pray that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict us and challenge us and, and help us never give in in the fight against the flesh and the world, in the battle to overcome ourselves and to be obedient to your word. We ask that you would work in the heart and life of each one here. And Lord, our prayer is, as always, and Lord, we don't want to just add this as an addendum, but Lord, we, we could easily have someone in this room that's unsaved we ask that even tonight would be the night that they would trust you as their personal Savior. Lord, we ask that you would allow us to live by your example and to follow in your steps because you paid the way. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just stand for a moment and bow our heads and just have Sharon come and play a verse of a song on the piano. And as the piano plays, if you need to come and pray, the altar is open. We just want to give a little bit of time to... If you need to come and spend some time talking to the Lord about something that He wants to do in your heart and life. God's people said, Amen. And, uh, men, uh, ushers, those of you that work with ushers, if we could just have three or four minutes. Um, I forgot to show you something Sunday morning. Uh, as the weather is getting warmer, I don't know about you, but it is hot up here. Uh, we need to just go over a few things because these windows do not open like normal windows. So, ushers, if if those of you that work as ushers, if I could just see you for five minutes, we'll uh, go over that so that uh, as it gets hot in here, somebody can get the pole and open some windows and keep it cool until it gets hot enough we have to turn on the AC. So um, let's, have, uh, let's take our hymn book, 705, if you need the words, and uh, we'll be dismissed as we sing 705. Take the name of Jesus with you, child of sorrow and of woe. It will joy and comfort give you. Take it then where you go. Precious name, oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Precious name, oh, how sweet. Hope of earth and joy of heaven. Thank you for being with us tonight.
to see little Tato over here? Yeah, I haven't held it up because oh. it's heavy. Is it no, too heavy for you? No, Deborah wouldn't let me. Okay. No, no, no. This is not a lollipop, son.